All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Happy Friday to you. It is, uh, well, unfortunately, it's gotten cloudy here. We were enjoying like this just stunning, beautiful 60s weather with blue sky, and it's just fallen off a cliff. It's, it's um, a little bit questionable at this point. In fact, it was actually snowing a little bit earlier, which is the weirdest thing. Anyway, it's Friday nonetheless. I'm excited about the conversation we're about to have. A brand new guest here on the Boca Podcast, and I'm going to introduce him here in just a second. For those of you that are live streaming uh, on YouTube and Facebook, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast, don't hesitate to jump in, ask questions, comment, get involved in the conversation today. This is going to be a really fun one. And then for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this, come join us sometime. If you follow us on Instagram at Boca Podcast, you can keep up to date with the upcoming live streams. And uh, we're going to be doing on the average, probably maybe one to two a week coming up in the next few weeks. And then we're going to kind of, we're going to pull back just a little bit to one episode a week. So we'll do one live stream, push out an audio version as well. And we're going to go to one episode a week uh, in the coming weeks. So you can just kind of keep that in mind, but stay, stay tuned via Instagram, Boca Podcast, and you'll know the upcoming live streams. We're normally going to do those on Mondays uh, in the coming weeks. So you can look forward to that. Okay. Just one last quick note. I'm going to pop up this little receipt for my donation to Charity Water today. And as always, as I promised you all, I would do that before each and every episode. Just an encouragement for you all to look for opportunities to give back. A little bit of money goes a long way. All right. I'm excited about this one today. Um, I want to introduce my brand new guest, Rago Alasa is here with me. Rago, thank you for coming to hang out with me. We're, we're going to have a lot of fun with this conversation today. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited. Kind of nervous. My second <laughs> podcast ever. So <laughs> bear with me. Hey, no need to be nervous. Um, as I was saying to you before we get started, it's just a conversation. Um, and for those of you that are regular listeners, you know this. I, I do send an outline to our guests ahead of time so they kind of know the direction the conversation is going to go. They can think through some of the answers to the conversation or to the questions um, ahead of time. But ultimately, I want this to be a conversation. I, a lot, or, I don't know, Rago, if you've ever listened to a podcast where it just feels like overly produced, overly canned. You feel like you're listening to a robot host. It just gets on my nerves. Um, That's the last thing anybody needs right now. We want a sense of kind of reality and transparency and vulnerability and trying to bring that more and more to the podcast. Uh, And I tend to be a little bit uptight, Rago. I don't know if you know that about me, but I like I want to learn to have a little bit more fun, too. So I, I think we're going to try to make that effort. Certainly today. Anyway, we should have a lot of fun with the conversation. You are fine, Nathan. <laughs> well, let's actually give our listeners a little bit of context too. So we we actually just met recently in person, um, and and one of our one of our previous Boca podcasts, and or guest rather, I'll pop this up on screen for those of you that haven't heard Jordan Caressis, Jordan episode two fourteen and then four twenty eight. Jordan actually hosts a, a workshop. And um, it has just this really committed group of photographers. I, the atmosphere was amazing. It was in Destin, Florida this year. And uh, I got to go be a part of that speak at, the, at that little workshop and, and then also get a chance to meet you, Rago. That's where we met for the first time in person. Yeah, you delivered such an amazing, inspiring presentation. It really lit up a fire under me. And yeah, it, it was a great encounter for me because it was my first time in a doing a retreat okay like a photographer's retreat um but yeah it was amazing well I, yeah it was a good you know the thing about small retreats and workshops like that and and i think we need more of these in the industry where there's super intentional education but then also a commitment to just genuine connection with people 
it, it just, it creates the stark contrast and experience between something like that and for example, WPPI. Um, and you know, I've found all kinds of value from WPPI. I've been going to it for, I don't know, about 20 years or so. It was the first time 15 to 20 years ago that I went for the first time. But unfortunately, WPPI, I think, represents where the industry, kind of the corporate side of the industry has gone, where there's just this massive disconnect with the industry, the heart of the industry. Photographers want to connect with each other and feel a sense of community. And then, of course, ultimately learn through that community as well. And Jordan's workshop was just a, a beautiful example of that. So anyway, we, this isn't about Jordan's workshop today, but I had to at least give context to our listeners. I also have to say, your background might be one of the most impressive backgrounds that I've had from a guest to date. I mean, this is really cool background. Whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in Washington, D.C. So okay. uh, hi, everybody. My name is Rago Alasa from Rago Images, LLC. I am a wedding and fashion photographer based in DC, like I said. Uh, I've been doing this since 2015 um, till 2018 back in Jakarta, Indonesia. So that's where I'm from. I used to work in Jakarta and Bali at the same time, doing fashion, uh, a little bit of wedding. And then I moved to the States in 2019 uh, to establish my um, wedding photography business. And it's been quite a ride. Well, and, and as you're talking about your brand and your brand position, I'm going to actually pull up your website. And for those of you that are live streaming, of course, you can see this. For those of you listening to the audio version, I'm looking here at, at Rago's website, Rago, R-A-G-O images.com. The position statement right there, wedding and fashion photographers serving the DMV area, DC, MD, and VA, of course, Virginia, travel worldwide. And then weddings and fashion. And we're going to be talking today about the way that you kind of integrate and and uh, well, in some ways combined, but then also maintain two separate brands, which is kind of interesting. In fact, I want to ask you about that right now. We talk about brand position and the significance of having a distinct brand position to stand out in the marketplace. That becomes a little bit more complicated when you're essentially managing two different brands. I know this is a podcast episode in and of itself, but can you comment just briefly on how you're able to do that effectively? Yeah. So uh, I started out with a lot of different niches, like all of us photographers, we started out doing everything, shooting everything. But then I've come down to these two entities, uh, different separate business entities, fashion and wedding. I can't choose one over the other because they're all my babies. They're both my babies. And it is a completely different um, style of photography. But at the same time, you can actually merge them together. Uh, we could talk about it later. But um yeah, I think it really speaks to who I am as an artist. Sure. So I am an artist first and then a businessman second. I've always been focusing on my artistry, but then this year after the retreat and after meeting you, Nathan, I've been so inspired to focus on building my own business, um, my empire. So this is a great chance for me to learn because I, I will always learn. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a forever student. Well, you look like you're building an empire with that background. I mean, that's, that's super impressive. <laughs> um, going, going back to, going back to your, your two brands and I'll pop this up on screen as well for those of you that may be live streaming with us. So you've got your fashion Instagram account, Rago, R-A-G-O images. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in, but Rago images, and then your wedding Instagram, which is Rago images weddings. 
And um, you know what? I think I left an S out when I popped that label up on screen earlier, but it's Rago Images Weddings with an S on the end. And uh, we'll link to both of those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to come back to a conversation about how, I guess, the distinction between the two brands and what it means to shoot fashion, what it means to shoot weddings, but then to ultimately integrate those two and how photographers listening in might go about doing that. So we'll come back to that here in just a second. I want to transition to a different question customer experience. I'm curious, and, and I've, I've not known you very long, Rago, but I've had the opportunity to interact with you in conversation enough to know that you're extremely personable, easy to talk to, super engaged. And so I'm sure that plays a role in the customer experience that you bring to your clients. But is there a big idea that drives a positive customer experience for your business? Oh, stop it, Nathan. Keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the compliments. But, of um, course. Yeah, that's, that's just... That's just me. I'm a very bubbly, outgoing person. I, I've always been like this um, since the beginning of time. But, oh, well, that's a, a huge plus for our business uh, to talk to clients in order for them to feel relaxed and to build their trust, you know, uh, to build a, that rapport. It's very important for you to be outgoing. And I'm very lucky to have that. But if we're talking about business standpoint, from my experience for over the years, the major key is that you have to learn how to compromise. Um, because sometimes <laughs> us photographers, artists, we are very individualistic and we, mm. we, we know what we want, right? Um, but sometimes you gotta sacrifice something in order for you to compromise uh, with your clients. But at the same time, the other point is you have to set a clear boundaries. Uh, you don't want to get run over by the clients. You know, just because you can compromise, it doesn't mean that you have to lose yourself as a person. Um, you gotta, you gotta be able to maintain those two and meet in the happy medium. Sure, like sure. That's the important part. Yeah, I, that makes sense. But this is interesting to me because you said earlier that you're an artist first, a business person second. And I know that a lot of photographers, and I think you're kind of alluding to this, a lot of photographers who consider themselves artists, the notion of compromise is not a common point of conversation, right? It's, this is how I think it should be done. How dare clients expect otherwise, you know, this kind of egotistical mentality. So I'm curious how you've landed on this bit more of a compromise mindset when it comes to interacting with your clients. What does that actually look like tangibly, practically, like in that interaction or conversation with your clients? How I ended up to this point by learning from an experience and a, 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 a very unfortunate one. So I feel like the photographers or the artists need to feel it, need to experience it experience themselves first in order for them to understand because uh, I was like that before and then after a couple of um, experiences I I learned firsthand like it I gotta change I gotta change I gotta pivot um, I like Michelle Obama said keep your goals but change your method I've been changing mm -hmm. my method like 180 degrees like I'm not the same person uh, with who I am three years ago. So I feel like you've got to experience it yourself in order for you to be able to do that. Man, I, I feel like we could do a podcast episode just on that quote and what that means to you, to me, to what it should mean to, to people and photographers, especially in our industry. Keep your goals, be willing to change the method, be flexible 
And I think that's really important. You also talked about the fact that you're not the same person that you were two, three years ago. There's this obsession in our culture with quote unquote, finding ourselves. And I think it's a funny notion for multiple reasons, but one is the very point that you just made, which is things change. And hopefully we aren't static either. We're actively changing, trying to be better and to grow. And this idea that this is just who we are is so limiting both in our personal life and professional life. I love the idea that you're both flexible as far as who, quote unquote, who you are, but then also what you're doing in business and keeping an open mind when it comes to interacting with your clients. And you know, the moment that we set that ego aside in any kind of relationship, personal or professional, man, it goes such a long way to being able to accomplish more, you know, whether it's to build a closer relationship with somebody, a family member or a friend, or to build a closer relationship with our clients and ultimately build a business. I think that's, that's really, really important. And again, we could, we could park right there, probably talk for 45 minutes, but I'm going to keep the conversation going. I, I love that you made that point though. Uh, talk to me about time management. And I, I know that running a business can be difficult. It can be busy, overwhelming at times maybe, but I'm curious how you are striking some type of balance between putting a lot into your business, but then also having a life and making time for the important people in your life. Um, well, this is a hard question because I got to be honest, <laughs> I'm still struggling to maintain uh, those two because I over like, I got burned out many times, mm. but I feel like the most practical way to do it is to set a schedule and follow it. Um, I know it's easy to say, but it's hard to, to do. But at least if you have a schedule, if you want to procrastinate, you can always look back and see where you left off. If you don't have a schedule, you're just floating around. Um, and also, I feel like your mental health is it sh always, it should be the number one priority every single time choose your mental health over your work over anything because without it you you won't be able to do anything so i think in order for me to center myself and realign my state of mind is i like to do uh meditation mm. i like to meditate and also i like to work out yeah. i feel like when i go to the gym sweat it out and then i go home and then just sit down uh with my own thoughts i i'm i'm back like i'm back in that center that mm -hmm. in order for me to do and tackle everything because work work is never going to end like it's always going to be there <clears throat> excuse me um but it's you that you need to take care of um because without you being correct here your work will just fall apart, I feel like. Yeah, it's it's true. And yet again, um, in our culture, there's been this kind of obsession over how we feel and think and the idea of self-care. I think you can also go so far with it, like to the extent, and I know from personal experience, by the way, so I can speak to it. You know, we, it's easy to obsess over what's going on in here to the point that it becomes a problem when it doesn't actually need to be. I love the example that you give, which is the consistency in going to the gym and meditating because you know that that translates to a, a healthier version of you that you can then take to business and to life. Um, and just knowing what works and showing up and doing that consistently, I think that's a, that's a really healthy balance. It's not that I don't even come close to suggesting that we shouldn't pay attention to that. I just, I think that our culture has gotten so obsessed as well with this notion of self-care that we've in some ways, like the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. I think what you're suggesting is a really healthy balance as well. 
um, at, at, at some, in some cases, I think there's been just such a level of self-importance um, and obsession over how we feel. And that actually is the thing that's getting in the way. It's not that we actually have such big problems at hand, but we do need to take care of ourselves mentally. Um, I, I'm very much like you getting to the gym, working out really hard. I mean, like really pushing, spending time in the sauna on top of that. Oh, I feel like a million bucks after I get done with that. And it really does kind I of- love seeing your, what, what's that? I love seeing your story at Ghost Gym or- <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I need it. I need it. I mean, I need it for multiple reasons, but for that reason, if nothing else, it's just the, the kind of clarity of mind. And, you know, not again, this is a much deeper conversation, but I, I'm not sure that, that our- bodies as human beings are made to sit in an office all day long. And I know that personally, even like right now I'm standing at a standing desk, I have a standing desk and I work in a standing desk and that's great. But even standing still, I don't think is real great for us. Like that movement is necessary, it gets the blood flowing. And I like the, the idea of pushing and working really, really hard. And there's a tendency, and I, I listened to a particular podcaster, I won't mention his name, he's a little bit of controversial, but um, there's a particular podcaster that I listen to who who talks about the importance of working out and how that tends to cut out the BS. Again, in a, in a first world country where we've got everything at our fingertips and yet we're still complaining, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't have legitimate challenge, right? We make up all these problems in our mind because we're obsessed over how we feel and think. And if we go and actually are willing to push ourselves at the gym, it kind of cuts that BS out a little bit. We're like, oh, here's something where we're actually having to work hard. And, and we put that effort and that energy in, we sweat it out like you were talking about, and it does kind of hit the reset button. And I think we all need to do it desperately. Also, it helps carrying all those gears with you during winter. Like <laughs> There's also that, the practical. 20 pounds, lenses, bench press really helped. Oh, okay. Bench press, really? Okay. So I have to ask, which are max bench press? We're not talking about that today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. We'll keep going. Okay, so time management, delegation is an important part of this conversation. We talk about this quite a bit. Naturally, I own a, an editing company, so I, I'm going to talk about it for that reason. But delegation is applicable not just with editing. We're talking administrative tasks, album design, accounting, or otherwise. I'm curious if you've experimented with this concept of delegation in your business and found any benefit from it. Actually, no, um, up, up until the, after the retreat. So like I said, um, it really inspired me to focus on my business. So that's why I, I've been scaling my business by hiring some people. Now I'm in the process of doing it. So before I'm like a one man show, I do everything I did. <laughs> yeah, basically I did everything, but yeah. now I feel like it's important to train other people yeah. and to trust them. It's, it's hard for me to talk about this because I'm such a, a control freak and a type A person uh, and I have trust issues. But again, like I have to change my method. I have to, I have to do what successful people do in order for me to achieve my goal. So mm. at the retreat, I saw you like yesterday, I talked uh, at another podcast, Chris Dora and Tom, they yeah. scaled their business to the point where they've they've had a lot of people under their wings and that makes so much so much sense and that's why i feel like photographers edit is such a great idea to help uh ask photographers out there to get rid of the at like the 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 dirty work of calling and editing <laughs> so you can focus on the profit making activities and like the artistry itself because you as an artist you want to focus on 
the things that is important. And Nathan will help you guys. With <laughs> Man, well, I didn't expect the shout out, but I really appreciate that. And it is, it's actually not, true. It's not sponsored. <laughs> you didn't pay me. <laughs> well, I hope we have the chance to work together at some point, Rago, in that regard. But I, I do appreciate the kind words. And it is true. You know, that there are different angles that you can look at delegation from um, as far as the benefit that comes from it. Some people just want time to watch Netflix, right? Others might want time with their family or their friends. Others might want more time to build their business. Others might want more time, to your point, to just be an artist, like to actually get back behind the camera and take pictures and not have to sit mindlessly for hours on end in front of their computer until you know 2 a.m., doing busy work that sure has to be done, but doesn't require their involvement and it's not building their business also to your point. So yeah, you make some great points there and, and I do appreciate the kind words and the shout out. Let me keep going though. Talk to me a little bit about an impactful business book, self-help book that you've read or listened to that you would want to recommend to our listeners. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, and I got a lot of <laughs> crap from my friends for having those books in my shelves where every time they come, they, they're just rolling their eyes. Oh my God, you're reading self-help book. I'm like, who cares? It helped me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just finished uh, reading Rising Strong by Brene Brown because uh, I was, I was, I, I needed that uh, because I came to the United States starting from scratch and um yep there you go that's about um it really helps you uh, to switch your mindset hmm. in terms of how you can can come back strong uh but also atomic habits uh, by james clear is also a good one um i feel like a lot of people probably have talked about it but it, it works for me you know a lot of books don't work for everybody uh you gotta find books that work for you like try a couple of like maybe the first 10 pages see if you mm, this is too much and uh, this is a uh, not for me and then sure. throw it away or delete it from your kindle or whatever uh but also this is not a self-help book but um sapien and homo deus by yuval noah harari hopefully that that's how you say it um it's like uh, such amazing book. I feel like it's the best book I've ever read or listened to ever in my life because they talked about humanity since the very beginning up until today. And I feel like you got to think holistically in terms of life in order for you to understand who you are, what your business is all about, yeah. because you're, you're going, you're going to, you're in the business where you're going to meet a lot of different people from different backgrounds and without a clear understanding, well, not clear, but like a little bit clearer understanding about where they come from, what's their story. You know, you, you can, you can, you can talk to them in a wrong way or you, you know, and it's not good. It's not professional. So I feel like books like, Sapien and Homo Deus is really, really important. Um, also, like for for your own um, for your own betterment outside of your business, so you can talk to people and you understand the context. You can read the room. Yes. Um, and I think and I think that is a self help book in a way. That makes um, sense. So yeah, those three are my favorite. Yeah, you know that's an interesting conversation. Um, I 
I tend to be a minimalist and, and overly simplistic at times, and it's got me in trouble at times too. And I've, I've continually over the last, particularly the last three, four years, maybe in the last 10 years or so, just learned to open my mind and, and to consider nuance more and more. And I think it's really important. You make a really interesting point about perspective. And I, I actually, Sapiens is in my library. I have yet to read it. I'm going to pull it up here on screen. I've yet to read it. It's a, it's a deep dive for sure. Um, Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And uh, then you also mentioned Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow by, by Yuval Noah Harari as well. And, um, but yeah, I think the significance of perspective brought not just from kind of having our blinders on and our head down in our own industry, and that's all we ever expose ourselves to, gaining wide-ranging perspective is so important. The flip side of that conversation that's a little tough too, though, is that you know we talk about like how human beings um, have kind of evolved over the years. I also wonder if we're truly capable of being able to consider the world at large. You know, you think back hundreds, thousands, thousands of years, really, where we just existed in these small groups of people, and now we're considering realities that affect millions of people. And it can be overwhelming sometimes to try to take all that in. And I'm like, today, I just want to make sure that I actually follow my schedule and get the things done on my to-do list. And I'm now supposed to consider the reality of a million other people or millions of other people. But I think, I think you're right. Adding some level of perspective, even if it's a little bit at a time, makes us better human beings and it ultimately makes us better business owners as well. So I, I think that's actually really, really great insight. And then I'm popping this back up. Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones by James Clear. And then Rising Strong, How the Ability to Reset Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Leave by Brene Brown. So we've got a few recommendations there. That's awesome. And we'll put those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. By the way, uh, Raga, I don't, I hope this is not, my, my, my mic actually doesn't tend to pick up a whole lot of ambient noise, but my stomach keeps grumbling because I haven't had any food yet today. So I hope that's not picking, are you hearing that in the, in the mic in your ears? <laughs> Not that I know of. Okay, good. All right, perfect. I'm like, man, I have to put myself on mute as you're talking because it keeps happening. I'm like, what in the world? This is crazy. All right. I, I was like trying to find out like if you're joking or not. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. Yeah. No, I, fortunately, the the um, the um this mic here, which is great mic, by the way, anybody who's ever getting into podcasting, this is an Audio-Technica mic. It's amazing. It, it's, but it's $70. You know, most people are going to like the Sure mics and, and some others that are two, three, four hundred dollars or whatever. 70 bucks. This thing is awesome. I've been using it for years. I've got like two or three of them. I can take them on the road with me. But um, it, it's good because it cuts out ambient noise. So I think in most cases, it's not picking up my, <laughs> my stomach making those noises. That's good. Okay. Let's keep going. A uh, couple more quick questions. And then we're going to get into this conversation about kind of melding fashion and wedding photography. Talk to me about a favorite piece of gear in your camera bag. You are a photographer and artist at heart. I'm curious what this piece of gear would be. Um, up until last few months, it's always 70 to 200. Yeah. Um, but now I really love 15 to 35 for just elongate the legs of the models. <laughs> um, so that's my favorite uh, lens. Okay. But my my all time favorite is always thirty five one point four. That's gonna be always in. It's still the EF version, so I will never get rid of it. But outside of lenses, um, I feel like color gels um, have been so good to me uh, really? to create okay. some crazy, uh, thought provoking con controversy like artistry and stuff like that. So color gels, yeah. 
Okay, so I, I'm actually scrolling through your, it, can we pop up an example of something on Instagram where you were using those, those color gels? Yes. On your, on your fashion or wedding side? On, on my fashion, like um, scroll down. Yeah. There's like a, a model. Oh, right there, here. The, the green, yeah. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Okay, so for anybody who's just listening to audio, if you go back to, this is an August 10th post on Rago Images, R-A-G-O Images on Instagram. Um, August 10th, 2021 post and holy, yeah, that's, that's amazing though. So what's the, what's the thought process when you're using color gels in this case, like what's the effect or the message that you're trying to convey with them? So he's now my coach, my nutrition and fitness coach. Uh, he's super ripped and he, uh, has this, uh, under armor, um, underwear that I want to showcase, yeah. um, probably tag them. Hopefully yeah. I get, I land another, um, underwear or speedo commercial or editorial, um, campaign, but in order for you to, you know, just showcase his <clears throat> muscles, you gotta put them either overhead lighting with just like, like uh, a normal lighting, but I kind of want to try a different thing. So I put two lights on both sides, mm. but different color. And then it just sort of make him look like a Hulk yeah. version of himself. Yeah. And without trying too hard, uh, I just tell him to, you know, stand, stand up at ease. And it looks amazing and crazy like that. It looks really cool. And I love the idea, like you're seeing the Hulk side of him and the human side of him. And you've been able to communicate that having the, the green gel on one side and then the, the regular lighting on, on the other side. That's a really cool concept. Okay. And then the other thing that you mentioned too, that I, that really caught my attention, you were talking about using the, the 15 to 35 to elongate your model's legs. And, and I, it's funny. I don't think I've ever heard a photographer say that before. Normally there's this obsession over removing distortion. You're actually talking about using that so-called distortion in the lens to a benefit that's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, um, I haven't posted it on my Instagram yet cause it's, it's still in the process. I, it, you know, the, the schedule, uh, is, is there, but I've very, I've been very inspired by like fashion designers, like huge fashion houses, like Balenciaga, uh, Victor and Rolf, um, Schiaparelli where, where they use just like a weird mixture of a non-human like um, campaigns and like a concept. So they they try to, to look, they try to make us viewers say WTF, you know what I mean? Like, how could you do this? Yeah. But it looks, it looks crazy. And I think that's fashion. Fashion is very interpretive, but as long as it, it can evoke some certain emotions, then you're doing the right job. And I tried it to, you know, to do it. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do, I'm going to keep doing this. Okay. Forever. Okay. So wait, when should we look for that post? What, what date is that supposed to come out? Do you remember? Um, next month. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So anybody who's listening in and I just posted this up on screen again, but Rago images, R-A-G-O images, make sure you follow Rago on Instagram and uh, you can see that post coming up. So let's talk about wedding and fashion photography and melding the two for you, Rago, which came first wedding or fashion? You can't do this to me, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I can't, I can't, I can't choose, uh, but 
How about chronologically for... speaking, though? Like, did you start shooting wedding okay. first or fashion first? Fashion first. Okay. Um, but at the moment, wedding is my priority because, again, like the retreat, I keep talking about it. I don't know why. Uh, but it's my priority because I know it works using my knowledge of fashion. We can talk about um, how I do uh, how I do that, but yeah, as of right now, but okay. So, but you started with fashion first, and you said this is back in 2015 that you started photographing, or did you start shooting before then? Even? Correct. Okay, 2015. No, yeah, 2015. Yeah. Okay, so seven years—that's a good amount of time, but it's also not super long, and you, you're super, super talented. So, what even got you to that that fashion? or to fashion photography in the first place. And and I know this could be a longer story, just kind of the brief summary, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I, I actually started out as a digital marketing manager for a hospitality group. So like restaurants, hotels, bars in Jakarta, Indonesia. And they always have a lot of parties, you know, uh, free drinks, free food, free parties. That's good for me. Sounds like uh, a good time, no yeah. Complaint. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as a digital marketing manager, I need to produce content and I have to take pictures, you know? So I started out with that and I got to meet like modeling agencies, celebrities, uh, models at the parties. And that's how I started out my fashion um, career, photography career, um, shooting the new uh, new faces, you know, the brand new models for their comp cart. And then I landed like catalog gigs and then some uh, magazine stuff and then I also do wedding on the on the side because of friends and stuff like that but my core has always been uh, fashion yeah okay so let's just let's talk about fashion by itself can you share with our listeners what you feel are three driving factors important principles behind really good fashion photography from your perspective yeah, number one is definitely authenticity. Um, lean into who you are as a person. I know I used to hate myself back in the day uh, because you know I was I, I was a, a gay younger man in fashion photography business and like the hospitality industry, and I was like, actually, it's the best way to do that. <laughs> I am in the right industry mm. and then i started out hating myself and then now i'm kind of like lean into it embrace it up to this point i'm proud of it Wait, when you say you were hating yourself because of that can you explain just a little bit more i i, I cringed a little bit because it sounds so harsh but like what why were you hating yourself for that um it's you know um lgbtq community queer kids um we got bullied for being gay for being lesbian and stuff like that sure it's really tough on you, you know. Um, you got you got to question who you are as a person. But after working uh, professionally and then making my own money, I understand that. Oh, okay, actually, this could work. And now that I moved to the states in Washington D.C., is actually the densest gay population in America. Not San Francisco, not New York. It's DC for really. I don't know for some weird reason. Okay, it even elevates my work to a whole new level. Like, mm. um, so that's probably my niche: um, fashion photography or wedding photography. That in, that is very inclusive uh, for all couples. I don't see like I mean I I take every couple's love is love. I I believe so. That is 
probably also my brand position in the local market. Um, and that also helps. Um, so lean into your authenticity. And also number two, it's like nerve. You know, you got to have nerve in fashion industry. You got to like to quote Mama Ru, RuPaul Charles, you got to have charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent. Hmm. So nerve in fashion photography will drive you to create and produce stunning images, stunning concepts that probably people have done before, but you got to find some some way to make it your own. And then number three, probably wild dreams. Just like I, I've always uh, based my, my um, photography concepts from dreams and from like just daydreaming and think about some weird things um, and then combine it with just like refined streamlined uh, concepts. And it, it could create um, amazing content and um, images. And, and I feel like those last two could almost kind of go together, right? It, it's that idea of when, when you're talking about nerve, I was thinking about taking a chance, doing something that's Correct. not safe, right? They, there's this, right. De- this funny brave. tendency in the photography, the, the wedding industry, and I think the portrait industry as well in particular, to just kind of copy paste. Like we look around at other photographers that we like and or we see what the trends are or some combination of both. And we, we just start kind of doing that stuff rather than creating something that's that's actually different. And it's hard. It takes work to create something that's different. And then it's a little bit nerve wracking too to actually put something out there that's different. But that's what I think about when, when, when I think about the idea of nerve and then wild dreams, just taking a chance and, act, and going outside this little box that we've created for ourselves and doing something different. Is, is that what that means? No, yeah, exactly. And I feel like um, people who are trying to reinvent the wheels are great, right? I'm all about it. Um, also, like people who plagiarize like a, a full on play by play copy yeah. other people's work, it's not okay. So what you want to do is like meet in the middle, choose the wheels, you don't need to reinvent the wheel, the wheel is fine by itself. But uh, add some flair, add some your own taste and vibe to it. Um, so it's not like, because originality, I feel like is not a thing anymore. Nothing mm. is original in the yeah. world. It's just a bunch of other stuff mixed together to create a new stuff. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing. Um, so I look up to... Patrick de Marchelier, Stephen Klein, all of these beautiful, amazing, talented photographers over the year, and then try to make it more modern. And then going back to the first point, I'm, I'm taking notes here. I've got a little note, notebook, old fashioned style, but you're talking about authenticity and, and I hear what you're talking about and being comfortable with yourself. And, and I think that's super important on multiple levels. But then I'm also curious because that word authenticity is thrown around so much in our industry these days and, and just in the world at large. What is that? How does that translate, at least from your perspective, to the work that you're doing? What does that look like tangibly, practically? Yeah, so um, for weddings, I, I tell my couples on my website, you can, you can see it on my website, what separates me from other photographers. There's so many other talented photographers out there, but what makes me stand out? Um, and I said, I'm a, I'm a gay married photographer who is also doing weddings. It's that point itself explains how I take care 
of my couples to the point where I will consult you on what to wear, all the dresses, all the shoes, the accessories. I will make sure that the whole experience working with me from the first free consultation call all the way up until I deliver your images is going to be full, thoroughly thought out process. Um, and then I feel like that's me. I, 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 I no longer pretend to be someone else. I, I no longer pretend to be a light and airy photographer because that's what is popular nowadays. I'm no longer pretending to be catering to certain amount, certain people or certain demographic. I, I want to be accepted. So I want to accept everybody else. So I feel like I'm being empathetic to my work as well as myself. So I feel like that's how authenticity works for my business. That makes sense. And I like how you break that down because it's easy for people just to throw that word out there. You've obviously thought through it. And to that point, um, I want to kind of direct everybody's attention, especially those that are streaming live currently. If you go to ragoimages.com and go to the weddings section, ragoimages.com slash wedding, uh, you can see this, my values. And Rago says, I believe good artists come with a set of values that define themselves in their everyday lives and they apply them throughout their professional careers. These are something, by the way, I love that, Raghu, because we talk about this quite a bit here on the podcast, the, the melding of personal values with our professional efforts. I think that's so important uh, for not only sustainability, but to, to continue to bring that kind of passion that we talk about so much in the industry. I think it's super important. But Raghu says, these are some of the most important values to me from the moment I say hi to you to the day I deliver your images, which you will cherish for the rest of your life. And then he talks about three values that are a theme through his business, efficiency, taste, and inclusivity, and explains those in a bit of text underneath. And man, that's that's really beautifully done. And I don't think I've quite seen... A lot of times photographers on their so-called about section, they just talk about themselves and their career and how they came up and all that stuff. This is this is just a different take and approach to it, and I think it's beautifully done. When we talk about this idea of authenticity, you communicate that really well. So major props to you for that. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I, we talked about three driving factors behind strong fashion photography. Let's do the same thing with wedding photography from your experience in the wedding business. Will you communicate those principles as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like customer service is number one. Um, for my experience uh, working uh, with couples for their weddings, only 20% um, I spent on the artistry and like the work because 80% is just me replying to emails, mm. uh, call, getting on calls, yeah. uh, ask, answering questions, helping them choosing the right bouquet, like all, all the all those stuff that photographers or artists kind of hesitate to do. Like, oh my God, I'm too good for this. I'm too fabulous for this. Well, man, you, you got to do it. If you want to earn that big fat check, you got to show them that you are a professional. You're in this, in this, you're in this industry for a reason. Yeah. And that is to help the couples to produce an amazing photos and in order for you to achieve that you gotta you gotta do the dirty work well it's not dirty but i mean like <laughs> customer service 
Because you're gonna actually, some, some, you're gonna actually seem like you care, right? Like, 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 yeah, exactly. Like the customer actually matters to you because again, the ego, if the ego gets in the way, that's not going to, it's not going to come across. But if, if the focus is on service, then that gives you an opportunity as a photographer and a business owner to, to portray a sense of genuine care and concern for their needs, their desires, and, and ultimately giving them a really great experience. And man, it's as cliche as that sounds, it can't be missed because we see too often and various industries where people just aren't cognizant of that. And in 2022, it's hard to get away with that anymore because people talk, they put it out there. If you're going to treat somebody poorly. Oh, the reviews, the bad reviews is, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another story, but yeah, customer service is the most important, I feel like. And then, um, right after that, I feel like your work needs to evoke some, some type of emotions. Um, or at least that's for me. I don't care about all, a lot of pose pictures, like with the off-camera lighting behind them to create that. Like, I mean, it's beautiful, right? But I will focus on doing that. But I can. I want to see their faces. I want to see their their laughs. They 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 kiss each other. But like, I don't. I don't want to tell them uh, how to pose. I just want to prompt them to do stuff and I want them to be who they, who they are. If they're goofy, be goofy in front of camera. Show me who you are as a couple like that. Yeah. Like the little tongue. It's, it's, it's very genuine. Man. That is and genuine. I love that. A lot of people uh, prefer lighting. Over, uh, you know, I, they love the rim light, the hair light, whatever. I feel, I think this is more important. Um, yeah, for anybody because... listening in, and sorry to interrupt, Raga, just for anybody listening no, in, okay. especially on the audio side, of course, if you're live streaming with us, you can see this. And by the way, for those of you live streaming, we've got a few minutes left here. So don't hesitate to jump in and ask questions, make comments and get involved in the conversation. But um, I pulled up on screen here from Rago's wedding feed. So it's Rago, R-A-G-O, images, weddings with an S on the end on Instagram. And uh, this is a post from June 27th, 2021. Such a cool picture. And to your point, Raga, I, I, I agree with you. It, I've talked about this before, but I think like I could go do a full engagement session. I used to shoot engagement and wedding um, for over 10 years. I could go do a, a full engagement session in a Walmart parking lot. If I just had even this, this isn't fancy light, but it's nice even light. You've got decent light to work with, but you get real emotion and you control the background with some nice bokeh like you've got there. And you've got a session like it, it it's it is just I love real raw emotion. And you're right. There's so much of the time there is this tendency these days toward just posing and overposing, in fact. And if you think about it long term, when those people go back and look at those images, do they want the thing that looks like you were trying to make, like put them on the front of Vogue? Maybe a few, sure. But at the same time, in the context of a wedding and, and ultimately representing a relationship and connection and intimacy, what they really want to see is that that connection and be able to think back to a moment. And this image right here is a perfect example of that. It's beautifully done. Yeah, and I want to make sure that I highlight all of their outfits as well. Um, like that jacket, I want people to, all the girls, oh, where did you get that dress? Like, I always pay attention to the outfit as well, hmm. on top of the emotions evoking uh, poses and stuff. Yeah, well, um, I, I love how the colors tie together. Um, it, it, there does, definitely seems to be intention there. So that's, that's also beautifully done. Thank you. Yeah, talking about colors, uh, the number three... I think 
factor, the number, the third factor is like consistent style in terms of editing. Um, I feel like a lot of people have talked about this uh, and I completely agree. I've, I've experimented with so many presets um, over the years, but now for a couple of years, I've been staying with one or two presets um, and I just keep doing it. And you just got to tune a, a few things. Yep. Like the exposure, contrast, and that's it. Like highlights, shadows, but don't change your color. I feel like colors is so individual. Individu- like it, it speaks to who you are. I feel like I, mine is like a very soft, but sharp. Um, people do a lot of contrasty stuff. That's awesome, but I, I don't think that's for me. Um, like light and airy stuff it's beautiful but that's not for me i feel like the white stuff from light and airy um, editing it's more like a overblown highlight yep <clears throat> uh, my my style is more like everything is exposed but it's such it's so moody like it's so soft yeah, but there's um, a sense of, and I'm scrolling through your yeah. Instagram, your your wedding Instagram account here. There's there's definitely a softness to it, but it's not so soft that it feels like you know 1980s soft focus filter. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's subtle, yeah. but it's really really nice, and it communicates a certain, it evokes a certain emotion. But when you talk about moody, you're also not going to the extreme with like a dark and moody. A preset that in you know three years is is going to look hilarious to us, right? Like that's a funny thing about trends yeah. is, and I've been in the industry now for twenty years, so I I can say this: we see the trends come and go, and and I've you know having been a wedding photographer and an engagement photographer, I can still think back to a, a one of my couples actually that I photographed, really great session. And like a year later, I'm looking at this this album that I put together from their session was sitting on our like a coffee table where I meet with our clients, and I start scrolling like paging through this album. I'm like, what in the world? This looks ridiculous. And I applied some ridiculous filter to the thing at the time that was popular, you know, back in 2005 or whatever it was. And it looked hilarious and kind of awful. So we have to keep that in mind. Like when we were applying these filters, not to go above or to, to the extreme, understanding that in three years and five years and 10 years, we want these images to, to still be enjoyable for those clients and, and not date them too much. I think that's really important. No, I was there as well. Like I knew exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I was that guy. Yeah. Uh, but but that's how you learn, right? And this is not me trying to bash everybody um, with their own personal choices and experience. If I've seen a lot of great light and airy photographers, that is not overblowing. Like the highlights, the are it's very it's very well exposed, but. It's it's still bright and clean. I think that's the type of sure. energy. And like moody and dark and moody, it doesn't have to be shadowy either. But I can sense like, oh my gosh, like I, I want to go to this forest mm-hmm. and I just want to be with this couple. Mm-hmm. Um, so my point is like also natural. I feel like um, natural color, uh, it's, it's very tricky because some clients actually, I've tried, I, like I said, I've experimented. So I tried not to edit the colors. Uh, I didn't play with the hue, uh, probably just saturation and darkness, uh, brightness. And they, they asked me like, did you edit this? So that's why I was like, oh my God, okay, I'm not doing natural. So what I'm trying to say is like, my point is whatever you do, commit to it 
perfect it, always refine it, and and stick to it forever. Um, maybe in the future, you want to change because I've done that too. And I'm not saying this that in the in the next few years I'm not going to change either. Probably I will, but. I know when I change, I will change like 120%. Like I will commit to it because it, it, it explains who you are. It says about who you are as an artist. So please, please, please stay consistent. Be consistent. Yeah, that was the word I was going to come back to. You're right. Because there might be an opportunity for change, but we shouldn't be changing all the time. There needs to be consistency too. That's huge. Brennan on, on Facebook says, yes, I love the raw, real emotion and images. I totally agree, Brennan. And then Laura also said, that's a great point. Good photographer will take any environment and make it work. And I appreciate you both commenting on the conversation. Again, we've got a few minutes left in the conversation here. For those of you who are live streaming, don't hesitate to jump in. Really appreciate you, you listening in. I, I think we got two points here about wedding photography, Rago, customer service, and develop work that evokes emotion. I love that. Do you have a third point as well? Uh, the consistency. Ah, consistency. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm taking notes again. So I'm going to write down consistency and that really is huge. Okay, cool. All right. So I, I guess the last main question that I have for you then today has to do with the melding of these two concepts. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen it happen over the years. I know there are different approaches, different takes to it, but are there, what are a couple of different ways that you have been able to take fashion photography, wedding photography, and kind of meld them together in a way that makes sense for your clients? Yeah, the number one, the, the easiest one for you to do to make it look fashion forward or fashion-y is the posing. Um, the way you put your hands on your couples, like I want you to treat them as models. Um, I want you to make them feel like they're Linda Evangelista for a day. I want them to feel like they're a baddie, like this photo shoot, this engagement photo shoots or your wedding. I want them to, to feel like it's a fashion shoot. So posing is number one. But like I said, it, it's, it's got to evoke some cer certain emotion. But I like to take it to a whole different level in terms of uh, fashion forward element to it. And then the other way is how you achieve it is angle. Angle is very important. Um, I love to take a lot of um, photography, like images that are weird. Like so I love to go all the way down low or all the way up. Um, and then, but you got to make sure like the composition of the face, you don't want to show double chin and stuff like that. Or like some people are very um, aware about their body. So make sure also to talk to your clients about if they're, if they have insecurities, because I believe I've worked with all body types, um, different colors, different background, different beliefs, and it can work as long as you communicate with them. So angle and posing, I feel like um, how you merge uh, wedding into fashion. But also on the fashion side, I feel like wedding is so helpful in terms of being consistent. Like you gotta have a routine, um, you know, from consultation call uh, to planning everything, like the engagement and then blah, 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 all the way until you deliver the, the photos, get uh, the gallery to your client. And you can apply that to fashion because fashion industry is very cutthroat. Um, there's a lot of bitchy, petty models or designers 
uh, agencies. Yeah. And you gotta be, you gotta have that routine. Like you, you have to stick with that. So you don't get run over because uh, the, the movies about fashion are, are, you know, how they are bitchy and stuff like that. They're kind of true, not everybody, but I like, oh my God, when I was in New York Fashion Week, <laughs> I, I experienced a lot of things, but I understand, totally understand why the, they are the way they are because they're just doing their job and you got to be as fierce as they are so that you can earn their respect. Um, and then you can be invited again next time because they see you as a professional. And that is actually uh, how I could do it is because I do, I do wedding as well because wedding is also tough. Um, it's not as cutthroat, but all the external factors like the rain, the weather, the crazy families, the, the bridezilla, it, it shape you into someone that is, okay, let's go. What do you want? You know what I mean? So you come into a wedding, you come into a fashion shoot, knowing who you are. And that is, I think, um, how you mix them together. I'm, I'm kind of furiously taking notes here. So back to the wedding side, you talked about posing and then the significance of posing and angle of composition on the fashion side, taking from the wedding industry, developing a routine or workflow, super important, and learning how to not not kind of fit into the mold of whatever is going on, but certainly being able, being confident though you're talking about who you are, but then learning how to go with the flow within that environment is, is also important as well. I want to jump back and I know we could spend time on each of those points. We have limited time now, but I want to jump back to, to posing just briefly, if you don't mind, it's such a massive topic. Um, but if you're talking about implementing some of these fashion poses into wedding photography, could you mention just two or three specific examples of how photographers might do that? Absolutely. Uh, shapes, create shapes. The S shapes is very important. So, when a bride is wearing like a fit and flare a dress, you want to make sure they bend their knees. So it looks like it's creating um, a shape. And also you want like to create like a triangle. Um, so it looks like they're a piece of art. Like that's, I feel like that's um, the most, like that, the easiest way to do it. Um, also like neck, neck is very important. Um, when you elongate the neck of the brides or even the groom, it looks like it's, it's very, it's very magazine proper, uh, uh, way to put them in a, in a, in a photo shoot where they, they don't, maybe they're awkward in front of camera and they're not models and that's okay because you are the one who are, who are behind the camera. And um, so neck, the S shape, um, fa fashion, facial expression is also important. Um, smiling and laughing is, is awesome, but also I like to switch it up a bit. I just want them to be staring, like to stare in front of camera, be stoic uh, together next to each other. And I imagine, would this, would, would I, do I want to see this in a br bridal magazine? Um, so that's, I feel like the more feasible way to infuse fashion in weddings because there are a lot of bridal magazines and they are not real couples sometimes. They are models. And 
that itself is how wedding and fashion make sense together. They can, they can merge together um, and they can produce beautiful images. And as you're, you're talking about that, I pulled this image back up actually on screen. So for those of you that are just listening in, if you go to Rago Images Weddings on Instagram, January 31st post, Rago, I, tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm, I'm seeing examples of what you're talking about. So first of all, that S shape, the, the way that the bride is putting weight on one leg and it creates a little bit of a curve, um, the triangle from the, the head of the groom to the corner of his arm, uh, and, and then to his hand over on the right-hand side, you've got that triangle there. A little bit more of a stoic look. It feels very intimate at the same time. A lot of times fashion kind of forward images feel, I don't know, almost emotionless. I know that there's intention behind it, but um, I, I love kind of how there's this combination of both worlds here and that it feels like one, one person commented actually, like looks like such an intimate moment. And yet there is a certain element of fashion to this image as well. Yeah. Um, also, if, if you look at Instagram, it's going to be different with the whole gallery. Um, and it's important that your clients can see that in your photo gallery as well, because they are the ones that need to be impressed by. Like, I, they need to be impressed by you and your work. Um, I was talking about, like, the entire cohesive um, gallery style. Interesting. Okay. Um, so if you look at, at all hundreds of photos together, you can see, okay, there's probably some stoic ones, probably some emotion full with joy and love, and they can go hand in hand. Uh, so that's what I meant by um, putting and infusing the fashion into the weddings as well uh, as the other way around. Um, when you do fashion, the whole gallery that you send to the modeling agencies or to the the brand like the designer has got to have all of the things that you believe in and what i believe in was that those two uh, categories like the posing and the angle uh, but as well like the emotion um, and the authenticity now we've got a couple of questions uh, from the audience here as we get ready to close. Rachel says, hi, another DC wedding photographer here. I've found the wedding industry is very saturated. Do you have advice on building relationships with other wedding vendors? And this is a great question, Rachel. I know it's a big topic too, Rago. Maybe just a thought or two in regard to that particular question. Yeah, um, every time I go to a wedding, I will always uh, shake hands to everybody. Um, the planners, the, the wedding uh, flowers, vendors, like the DJ, the videographer. There's a lot of weird like stories about videographer and photographer, like they're fighting. I have never had that um, experience before. So yeah, just make sure to introduce yourself every time you go to a wedding. Yeah. Um, be, be genuine, be bubbly. Don't try to force it either. So just shake hands, say hello. If they are nice, then perfect. If they're not, goodbye. You don't want to deal with them anyway. Um, and then always uh, exchange contacts. Um, and then always follow up uh, the next day or the next week to say, hi, nice to meet you and stuff like that. I feel like it's, 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 it's hard uh, to do if you don't build um, routine. Um, Sometimes I forget as well. So I need to also tell myself to do it every single time. Sure. But yeah, be genuine. Oh, that, that's, that's really good, actually. And it's funny how 
I think I just said this in the podcast the other day too, but I, I just find it amusing how in business, even in 2022, whether it's 2022 or you know 20 years ago when I first started, how a lot of times it's the basic principles done consistently that genuine that, that generate genuine results. And that is true. I mean, so much of what drove our business as wedding photographers back in the day was those relationships. And it comes from not just putting on a robotic face and going to networking events and putting on a fake smile and shaking hands and handing a business card because people can read through that. It's, it's so obvious yes. and it's so gross sometimes even. So like actually showing up and we were talking about showing our clients that we genuinely care, actually showing genuine interest, being interested in the people that you're talking to that comes across and it makes such an impact. Um, I I've had the, the incredible opportunity to be on the other side of people who said, you made me, feel like like you actually care like you're you're engaged like you're interested i've never had people you know go there and ask ask these kinds of questions to me before and i and it comes from a genuine place for me i i love connecting with people and if that doesn't come naturally for those of you listening in or watching make a little bit of an effort but it will go a long way when you do so i, I think that's super great inf information and suggestions and then laura is saying any tips for posing heavier brides i have a client tomorrow that is very insecure about her weight and she added to that, uh, posing a plus size bride has a lot of insecurities with her face. A any suggestions there, Raga? Um, honestly, honestly speaking, I want you to tell your bride, I have a co communication with her, that it's okay. It's okay that you are on the plus size. I don't think it's um, a problem. Like. If you can convince her that it's okay, and the posing itself, it doesn't matter anymore. You just do the posing stuff that you can do with a different size or type of body. Because so most of the time, it's all about the mindset of your couples. Again, you gotta have, you gotta build trust. You gotta build rapport. You gotta earn their trust in order for them to trust you on how to direct them in front of camera. So, for example, I have a couple of um, plus size or bigger size. I feel like they are all beautiful. Um, I just want you to probably tell them to relax and then try to stand up as straight as you can. Uh, imagine like there's a string on top of your head and then do not move. So keep being very, you know, statuesque. Uh, sometimes people that are insecure with their body, they feel like they uh, when they feel small and like they're timid. I want you to tell them that it's fine. Everything is okay. Laugh it off. You know, that's also why it's important that you can crack some jokes. Uh, just make them laugh. That's why they're feeling relaxed. And I think that's what matters more than the posing itself. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, and it's, and I love your mentality about that. I, I also am wondering how many, for example, in, in Laura's case here, if she has this short a time frame, maybe she's not super close to that client. Is there enough enough time to develop the kind of rapport with that client to be able to get them to trust you enough to say, hey, it's really okay. You don't have to force anything here. I think you're beautiful just like you are. Can you do that in a short time span? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think since the, uh, the consultation call, 
I've I've started to build that um, kind of like mental image all the way to the couple minutes before the session, like the engagement session, about how we are going to do this. Like you gotta, you take the lead as a photographer. You mm. tell them and show them that you know what you're doing. Yeah, set the tone. So posing. So yeah, set the tone. Posing angle, that's like a technical stuff. You you gotta be able to do that already. So if you if you don't know how to do that, learn about that first. But like what I was talking about is like the mindset going into this uh, photo shoot. It's it's gotta be relaxing for them. Um, also, if if you're not sure, go on YouTube, Pinterest, um, go on like Vogue. L, um, all of the fashion magazine where they celebrate all type, uh, type of body, uh, like Venti Beauty, like Savage X Venti, they do, they make lingerie for all type of uh, body. Unlike Victoria's Secret, well, they're already starting to change now to be more inclusive, but before they're just doing tall, slender, uh, white girls. But Venti Beauty is really celebrating that. Look at their Look at the, how they post and then just copy that. Take a screenshot, put it in your phone hmm. and then do that. Literally, it's so easy and it's so flattering. And then you can show the bride as well. Look, you can still be this baddie. You know what I mean? You can still be a model. Just trust me. Like I said, it's all about you taking charge of the photo shoot. Now, I know we need to close shop here, but I, I want to... Just ask a quick question about that last comment. Are you suggesting that the photographer shows the picture of the model that they screenshot or the picture that they just captured of the subject and encourage them with that? Um, both. So, okay. I mean, I'm not saying that you show the model pictures to compare themselves with them. Um, I'm saying that, it, again, like this is like the last resort if you're if you're very nervous about it. That, I think, is the easier way to do that, just to convince them, okay, we can do this. Um, look at all these magazines and campaigns. We're celebrating, uh, we're being a body positive here, and I want you to trust me as uh, a leader in this photo shoot, and I know you're going to be a beautiful, stunning bride. So let's have fun. Yeah, I think setting the tone is important. I, I guess I'm just concerned in that case, if you're showing another photographer's work and then a model and this person doesn't feel like a model and then that comparison game starts to happen in their head, I'm just wondering if it would create additional apprehension versus like you were talking about creating a sense of comfort just in the tone of voice and the confidence that you exude as you're posing and then being able to show them an example and be like, oh my, and, and again, genuinely saying so, oh my goodness, look how stunning you are. You have no reason to be nervous here or worried about this. You look yeah. absolutely incredible. Like to me, that seems like it would be even more impactful to actually see a picture of yourself <clears throat> looking incredible. Yeah. Like I said, it's the last resort. I, I've never done that actually. Uh, but what I meant by the other uh, fashion campaign, like the fashion magazine or bridal magazine that celebrates all types of body. I mean, learn and study the poses. Sure. Okay. Um, and then do it on your photo shoot. And then when you take pictures of the actual bride and your couple, show her, like, look at this. You're beautiful. We Got can it. achieve this. Um, and it's doable. Absolutely. Okay. Well, 
This has been a really fun episode. And I have to say, Rago, like major props to you too, because I love a super practical, actionable, tangible uh, conversation where our listeners can take and apply what it is that our guests are talking about. And you've done just a really, really great job of that. So I, I really appreciate the super practical advice. And I appreciate everybody who, who chimed in, asked questions, commented. I, I love the involvement in the conversation from those that are listening and viewing. Thank you for that as well. Rago, just one more time, remind our listeners where they can follow you, where they can see what you're doing, see the upcoming work that will be coming out in the next, uh, or the upcoming weeks. Yeah, so I'm uh, Rago Images everywhere on Instagram, ragoimages.com. Uh, that's my website, Rago Images Weddings. Uh, Nathan have mentioned a couple times. Also, I'm going to start TikTok and Pinterest if you're into that or if you're there as well. Uh, but also, I want to say thank you so much, Nathan, for giving me this platform. Uh, you have no idea actually how much you've changed a lot of lives, hmm. a lot of photographers' lives. Um, and you, 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 I, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. Um, and I can't wait to see you again. We should hang out. Oh man, I, that's really kind of you. It means a lot. Um, at the end of the day, if we make a little bit of difference and, and those that are listening in and their personal lives and their business, um, th that's really all that matters. So it's very kind of you to say that. And absolutely. I hope we get to connect again soon. Thank you again to everybody else for, for again, for chiming in, listening in today. Make sure you go follow Rago. We'll link to all the resources from today's show are in the show notes. And uh, everybody have a wonderful day. Thanks again, Rago. Thanks.